Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Samuel chapter 20, and today's title is True Friends. True Friends. I heard a statistic one time that said that the average person only has two people that they could consider to be a true friend. I don't know about you, but I have, like, my friendships are on, like, a continuum. Like, with the advent of social media, we think, you know, everybody is a Facebook friend, but for me, a friend means something a little bit different. And today we're going to find out what a true friend looks like. And I can't wait to show it to you. It's a beautiful moment in the life of David. But before we do that, as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a comment on who is the name or what is the name of your best friend, the best friend you've ever had. Now, also on the podcast, you can't really comment on the podcast episodes, but you can leave us a five-star review and you can go over to our Facebook group over at the Bible Breakdown Discussion. And I want to know from all of you, give me the name of one of the best friends you've ever had. Now, I want to go ahead and give you a disclaimer so that no one else gets their feelings hurt. I'm not saying that this is the only friend that you have or that you uh, only like them. I'm just saying the name of a friend that you have, maybe a best friend you have. Well, I don't know about you, but as you're opening your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 20, I've learned kind of a continuum of friendships. My daughters, as of this recording, are teenagers, and they got like 99 best friends. Everybody's their best friend. And I tried to tell them, that's, that's supposed to be like exclusive. Like, like you're supposed to have like one best friend. Best is supposed to be better than the rest, right? Like, no, that's not how that works. Well, for me, like I have acquaintances, I have friends, I have good friends, and I have a best friend, right? So I got like this, this continuum there. Well, we're going to find out today who David's best friend is. As you've been kind of walking with us in this, the overall theme of 1 Samuel is God's providence despite our silliness. There's been all kinds of silliness going on in the life of David. None of it at this point is his fault. He's just trying to do what God's called him to do. And he got, he got 99 enemies right now, but Jesus ain't one. And they constantly are trying to kill him and it's not working. But it's still, all this stuff is happening. And now David is realizing he's going to have to flee and get away from Saul. And he's got a best friend, which happens to be Jonathan, Saul's son. And as we're going to see, Jonathan is trying to help him the best he can. And even to the point at standing against his own father. So let's read this together and let's see what true friends look like. And then we're going to end this up together. So here we go. Chapter 20, verse 1 says this. Now David fled from Naoth and Ramah and found Jonathan. What have I done? He exclaimed. What is my crime? And how have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? That's not true, Jonathan protested. You are not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan. Why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I'm only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. Tell me what I can do to help you, Jonathan exclaimed. David replied, Tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. I've always eaten with the king on this occasion, but tomorrow I'll hide in the field and stay there until evening on the third day. 
If your father asks where I am, tell him I ask permission to go to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says, fine, you will know all is well. But if he is angry and loses his temper, you will know he is determined to kill me. Show me this loyalty as my sworn friend, for we made a solemn pact before the Lord. Or kill me yourself if I've sinned against your father, but please don't betray me to him. Never, Jonathan exclaimed, you know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. Then David asked, how will I know whether or not your father is angry? Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied, and they went out there together. Then Jonathan told him, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants to kill you, may the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may you, he treat me, wait a minute, and may you treat me with faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, saying, May the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said, Tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival, and you'll be missed when your place at the table is empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid before and wait by the stone pile. I will come out and I will shoot three arrows to the side of the stone pile as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy to bring the arrows back. If you hear me tell him, they are on this side, then you will know, as truly as the Lord lives, that all is well and there is no trouble. But if I tell you, if I tell him, go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you, then that will mean you must leave immediately for the Lord is sending you away. And may the Lord make us keep our promises to each other for he has witnessed them. So David hid himself in the field and when the new moon festival began, the king sat down to eat. He sat at his usual place against the wall with Jonathan sitting opposite him and Abner was beside him. But David's face or David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything about it that day, for he said to himself, something must have made David ceremonially unclean. But when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go, for we are having a family sacrifice. My brother demanded that I be there. So please let me go and see my brothers. That is why he isn't here at the king's table. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore. Oh, Lord. Well, first of all, broski, you're talking about your wife. Second of all, no. Let's continue on. And then he swore at him. Do you think I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as the son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. I'm going to tell you something about Saul. First of all, Saul's got a mouth on him. Number two, he loves to throw spears at people. 
But apparently his aim is really bad. All right, verse 34. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat on the second day of the festival, for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. Well, of course. And Joker threw a spear at you, by the way. Verse 35. The next morning... As agreed, Jonathan went out into the field and took a young boy with him to gather his arrows. Start running, the boy told him, so you can find the arrows as I shoot them. So the boy ran, and Jonathan shot the arrow beyond him. And when the boy had almost reached the arrow, Jonathan shouted, This arrow is still ahead of you. Hurry, hurry, don't wait. So the boy quickly gathered up the arrows and ran back to his master. He, of course, suspected nothing. Only Jonathan and David understood the signal. Then Jonathan gave his bow and arrows to the boy and told him to take them back to town. As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he was, had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the name of the Lord. The Lord is witness of the bond between us and our children forever. Then David left, and Jonathan returned to the town. Wow. That is a very sad goodbye. There's so many things we could take away from this. We could take away the fact that um, Saul's a jerk. <laughs> we could do that. We could take away the fact that you know it's amazing that David was able to last that long if Saul was willing to go to those links. But one of the things I love about this is the mark of true friendship. When Jonathan was able to stand against his own father, for the sake of protecting his friend. And I don't know if you've ever been blessed with a friendship like that, where you've got that ride or die friend, that person who's willing to stay in the gap there with you, who's willing to go to battle and go to war with you. But it's a special thing. I was talking to someone the other day, and they had recently moved into town, and they were really struggling to find friendships. And they came to me as their pastor, and they said, Pastor, can you, can you, can you give me some friends? And I looked at him, and I was like, buddy, if I could, I would. And went on to tell him, if you have to be given a friend, it's not really a friend. But friends are earned. Friends are earned through time, through trouble, through tension, through adversity, through successes, and through celebrations. And friends take time. You know, a shared struggle. You know, doing things together. That's what friendships, that's how they're, that's how they're born. That's how they grow. That's how they thrive. And this, this gentleman was like, I get that. I just need friends so bad. And I, I can identify with that. You know, I was a kid. I, I grew up and we, we moved about every three to four years of my life. And when I first would move to an area, I'd feel so alone. It wasn't anybody's fault. It, it just knew. And I feel so alone. And one day, I had someone give me some advice that really tended to work. And so I gave it to this gentleman. And now I want to give it to you. And, and this person told me, give what you hope to receive. When it comes to friends, give what you hope to receive. If you want friends, be a friend. If you want a best friend, be that kind of friend to somebody else. Because if you go looking for enemies, you'll find them everywhere. If you go looking for friends, you'll find them everywhere. If you go looking to be rejected and to be alone, you'll find them everywhere. And if you go looking for that special best friend, you'll find one somewhere. And so I want to encourage you with that. Maybe you're listening to this today and you have got an amazing, wonderful friend. Can I encourage you? Send them a text message, call them, and just say thank you. There's so many people who don't have one of those. 
And just, just say, I just want to tell you, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for our friendship. I'm thankful that we are able to do this thing called life together. But if you're listening to this and you don't have one of those, maybe you had a close friend and you don't have one right now, I want to encourage you to be a friend to somebody else. Don't go looking for a friend. Go looking to be a friend. Go look to go the second mile with somebody. Instead of looking for someone to listen to your troubles, go and look to listen to other people's troubles. Go look to be the thing that you want to receive. And you might find that there's friends everywhere if you go first. And now there's, there's takers out there as well. But there's also givers. There's also wonderful friends. And I guarantee you that within your arm's length right now, metaphorically, there is a friend that if you will go first, you'll find friends. I love you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that you are the best friend we could ever imagine. But God, you don't want us to just do life with you and alone. You want us to do life with others. And even the introverts among us, we all need a friend. I pray, God, you will send us out today looking to be a friend. And I pray you will open our eyes to see the good, kind people all around us. And Lord, let us be the difference that we want to see in others today. Open our eyes. Help us to take the next step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, don't forget, God's word says in 1 Samuel chapter 12, be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things that he has done for you. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 1 Samuel chapter 21.